This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we take a walk on the dark side with a visit with The Shadow, one of the most popular radio shows in history. The show went on the air in August of 1930. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. (laughs) The opening lines of the detective story program captivated listeners and are instantly recognizable even today. The narrator was initially voiced by James L. Curto, who was replaced after four months by prolific actor Frank Reddick, Jr. Originally, the narrator of the series of macabre tales, the eerie voice known as The Shadow, became so popular to listeners that Detective Story was soon renamed The Shadow, and the narrator became the star of the old-time mystery radio series, which ran until 1954. A figure never seen, only heard... The Shadow was an invincible crime fighter. He possessed many gifts which enabled him to overcome enemies. Beside his tremendous strength, he could defy gravity, speak any language, unravel any code, and become invisible with his famous ability to cloud men's minds. Along with his team of operatives, the Shadow battled adversaries with chilling names like the Black Master, Kings of Crime, the Five Chameleons, and of course, the Red Menace. The Shadow's exploits were also avidly followed by readers in The Shadow magazine, which began in 1931 following the huge success of the old-time mystery radio program. The magazine was published by Street and Smith, who had also sponsored the old-time mystery radio program. And over the course of 18 years, Street and Smith published 325 issues of The Shadow, each one containing a novel about the sinister crime fighter. These stories were written by Maxwell Grant. That was a fictitious name created by the publishing company. The actual writer, Walter P. Uh, Gibson, wrote most of the stories, 280 in all. Now, because of the great effort involved in writing two full-length novels every month, several guest writers were hired to write occasional installments in order to lighten Gibson's workload. These guest writers included Lester Dent, who also wrote the Doc Savage stories. Most of the novels published have been reprinted in paperback, and the Shadow Adventures remain popular today with Shadow comic books, magazines, toys, games, CDs, and cassettes of old-time radio shows, and books bringing top dollar among collectors the world over. In tonight's episode, a woman is convinced her dream of drowning with her husband really happened. It's the episode entitled... Dream of Death.
What evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Dream of Death. From a lonely house high on a gale-swept cliff, a curtain flaps at an open window. A path leads from the lonely house down, down past sharp crags and mossy rock, down to the wave-lashed beach below. Come along, my darling. We're almost to the beach. I'm frightened. There. Feel the wet sand beneath our feet. Yes? Listen. Listen to those waves, Lyra, crashing against the shore. Kurt, no. Look at them, black and hungry. They know. The waves know why we're coming to them. I'm afraid. Hold tightly to my hand. Soon, my darling, we'll be together once again for all eternity. Slowly. Slowly now, down into the water. Don't look back. No, Lyra, no. See, the water swirling above our knees. What? Above our waist, above our shoulders. Higher, still higher. We die and Wake up, Lyra, for heaven's sake, wake up. Celeste? Yes, darling, your sister. It's all right, Lyra, you're all right. You were just having a bad dream. Dream? Oh. Oh, I was on the beach. In the water. With my husband. With Kurt? With Kurt? Oh, no, Lyra, no. Don't you remember? He's dead. Kurt was drowned last night. Margo and I came right down as soon as we got your message, Celeste. Oh, I'm awfully glad you're here, Mr. Cranston. So are we, Celeste. Best if there's anything we can do to help. 
help. Yes, after all, Kurt Sander was a friend of mine, even though I didn't see him for some time. Oh, I'm sure you can help both of you. We'll see Lyra in just a moment. She was still sleeping when I went in. The doctor prescribed all the rest she could get. Of course. There's a beautiful view from this window. Beach down there below the cliffs and the sea beyond. Yes. Kurt loved solitude. There's a wind rising. Must be a storm coming up. It was just this kind of a day that Lyra and Kurt went sailing. You mean when Kurt was lost? Yes. You still haven't told us what did happen, Celeste. Perhaps before we see Lyra, we should know. Oh, yes, of course. Well, they... They were out sailing. A violent squall came up and the boat capsized. How off? Apparently, Kurt struck his head against the boat when it turned over on him. I see. Anna, our housekeeper, and I were shopping at the time. When we got back, we... We found Lyra down on the beach, nearly dead from shock and exhaustion. How is she now? Well, physically, the doctor says she'll be all right, but... Oh, Mr. Cranston, it's her mind. She, well, she insists that she's going to die. Die? She thinks that Kurt's spirit has returned to take her back with him into the sea. How terrible. She says they had some kind of a weird pact with death. Oh, do you think you'll be able to reason with her, Mr. Cranston? Try, Celeste. I'll do everything I can. I'll see if she's awake. Now, I'll be right back. Lamont, Darling, what are you looking at? These books on spiritualism. I've almost forgotten. Forgotten what? Kurt Sander was a student and a firm believer in life after death. All right, Mr. Cranston. Come on, Margo. He just woke up. Lyra. Lyra, this is Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston? Yes, Mrs. Sander. I was a friend of Kurt's, and uh, this is Margo Lane. Hello, Lyra. You... Come to take me away, haven't you? You must, you must take me away from this house. No, they can't, Lyra. You know you can't leave yet, not until you're better. But I can't stay here. He'll come back for me. No, he won't, Mrs. Sandler. Yes, he will. He said, if I should die before you, my darling, I'll return from wherever I may be and take you with me. Mrs. Sandler, that isn't possible. It is. He'll come back. I mustn't stay here. He'll come back for me. He'll come back. Come on, listen. Kurt? Kurt, is that you? Here, Ralph. Quiet. Get back, Margo. I'm going to throw open those French windows. Grab whoever. That's a woman. It's Anna, our housekeeper, Mr. Cranston. Anna, what on earth were you doing? I just wanted you to let me in the door. Why didn't you come in through the back? I just came up from the beach. I was... Gathering clams for dinner. All right, Anna. Come inside so I can shut these doors again. You best shut them tight. Why? I've been down on the beach. And I've seen it. Seen what, Anna? Well, Anna, what did you see down on the beach? I saw another storm coming up. Another storm like the one the night Mr. Sander died. It's 
all right, Mrs. Sandra. It's Lamont. Oh, oh Lamont. It's all right. Lamont, what is it? What happened? I don't know, Margot. What made you scream, Mrs. Sandra? I was asleep, and something woke me up. I felt cold fingers around my throat. It was Kurt. He's come for me. Look, Lamont, the French doors. Wind must have blown them open. That's probably what woke her up. I'll have a look outside. Yeah, it was Kurt. No, Mrs. Sandra. Oh, what happened, Margot? I was asleep. I heard a scream. She thought someone was in the room. Her husband. Oh, no, darling. It just couldn't be. Right, Mrs. Sandra. There's no sign of anyone. You've merely had another bad dream. That's what you say. Anna, I've been outside the room, listening. It was him, wasn't it? He's lonely. He's come back. Anna, what are you trying to do? Go back to your room, Anna. All right. But I know. I know. Now, Mrs. Sander, try to understand it. It was all in your mind. Do you understand? Yes. All in my mind. Now, try to go back to sleep. Celeste. Yes. I think it'd be a good idea if you slept in here for the rest of the night. Oh, yes, of course I will. Come on, Margot. What is it, Lamont? There is something wrong, I can tell. Let's get your coat. Going to do a little investigating. But... I lied in order not to frighten Mrs. Sander. I found this just outside the French doors. Seaweed? Yes, seaweed. Someone or something brought up from the ocean below. Belong to you. And maybe he'll go back to the sea and leave you alone. That's insane. I'll Mother. take them to him. You know where he is? In the cave at the bottom of the cliff. How do you know? Have you seen him? Have you? No. There's a black pool in the cave, and I've seen strange footprints around. No! Things live in that pool. Terrible things that come up from the sea. Anna, don't! Don't go near there, please. I'll be all right. Nothing will harm him. No, Anna. He doesn't want me, Miss Vera. He wants you. But what are we looking for, Lamont? Anything here on the beach, Margaret, that might give us a clue as to who or what left the seaweed outside Lyra's room? You think someone has taken advantage of Kurt's death to deliberately frighten Lyra out of her mind? And it seems to be the logical explanation right now. That old housekeeper Anne has certainly been acting strange enough. Yes. I haven't been able to make up my mind yet whether Anna is a slightly demented old servant or a very shrewd woman. Mm. And another thought has crossed my mind. What's that? 
Kurt was a very odd person, as I remember him, Margaret. Moody, introspective, and, as we know, a firm believer in spiritualism. Well, you... You were suggesting that there might be some basis for this wild idea Lear has about Kurt returning from the dead? Well, nobody's ever discovered just how far spiritualism can go, Margaret. That's a fantastic idea, Lamar. Fantastic and terrible. But an idea we may have to consider. We're going to learn the truth about Lyra's dream of death. Pool. Don't be scared, Anna. Dead things can't harm honest folk. The lantern down here. Kneel down by the pool. Now, give him the thing. Give him the things and tell him to go away. Leave us alone. Someone kicked over the lantern. Who's there? Who's there? Coming closer. Someone covered. Kurt! You! No! No, you're dead! Boy, no! Don't! Oh, you're pushing my head under the wall! Oh! 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 has returned from the dead to claim his bride, Margot and Lamont are plunged into a series of weird events. Now we find them walking down a dark beach, while above them tower the black cliffs that rise forebodingly. Suddenly, Margot stops and touches Lamont's arm. Lamont, look up ahead. Good Lord, come on. Lamont body here in the water by the edge of the shore. Yes. Anna, the housekeeper. Is she dead? Yes, drowned apparently, and the body washed ashore. This is strange, Margot. What? There are three marks around her neck. Some deliberately held her head under the water. No. Mark, what are you doing? I'm to pry something loose. She's clutching her hand. Yeah. It's a torn piece of cloth and there's a gold button on it. It's the kind of button that's usually found on men's yachting jackets. And Kurt was in sailing clothes when he died. Yes, Martin, he was. But look here. It's a faint trail in the sand. Looks as though Anne's body was dragged down here. Trail leads up to a kind of opening in the cliff. Come on. Lord, I just don't understand. And neither do I, but there must be a logical explanation behind all this. I have a feeling we're getting close to the answer. Oh, I certainly hope so. Here we are. Kind of a tunnel into the base of the cliff. We're not going in. Yes. Stay behind me. I'll use my flashlight. Why, it's a big cave. 
Yes. You see anything? Black pool of water in the center of the cave. You sure that's all? Yes. Oh, thank heavens. Let's get out of here. It gives me the creeps. Quiet, Margaret. What? Look out through the mouth of the cave. Out there on the beach. Someone kneeling down by on his body. What? It's Celeste. Yes. What would Lyra's sister be doing out there on the beach at this time? She's coming towards us. She's following the same trail up here we followed. Stand back, Margaret. I'll switch off the flash. Are you in there? Come on. What's that? Kurt, was that you? No, sir. Oh, she's running away up the path to the house. Yes. Lamont, do you realize what this means? I am beginning to, Margot. Kurt is alive, not dead. He must be the one who's trying to drive Lyra mad. Anna must have found the truth, and that's why he killed her. Perhaps and perhaps not, Margot. Now I think I can find out. How? I think Celeste will tell me a great deal. And she talks to the shadow. The gun. The gun, it must be. Oh, it really is. <laughs> Who's there? Who laughed? Shadow laughed, Celeste. The shadow. The gun. Somebody took the gun from my hand. But who? Where? No one sees the shadow. Shadow, what do you want? What are you going to do with this gun, Celeste? What? Are you going to kill your sister, Lyra? No, why should I do that? Because you haven't been able to make her kill herself the way you and Kurt planned. That's not true. Kurt's not dead. You've been working together. That's true, isn't it, Celeste? No. Kurt was in love with you, wasn't he? But Lyra stood in your way. Oh, yes, he was in love with me. He paid me to marry him. And Kurt, he's alive. Yes, yes, that's why I came for the gun. He's out of his mind. He killed Anna, and he'll kill my sister, too. What were you doing down on that beach, Anna's body? I was looking for Lyra. She's gone. Oh, he'll kill her, don't you understand? Oh, Shadow, you've got to find him before it's too late. Shadow will find the truth, Celeste. If you've lied, I'll be back. You'll answer to the Shadow. Lyra? Lyra, are you in there? Try the door, Lamont. Empty. Yes, Celeste told the shadow the truth. Kurt must have taken her off somewhere. The French doors are standing wide open again. Yes, look at this, Mark, over here. Some muddy footprints on the carpet. What'll we do? I don't... Wait a minute. Hmm? Margaret, this isn't mud on these footprints. It's slime. Green slime. Kind that was on rocks. You think Kurt has taken you to the cave? I don't know, Margot. All I know is we better get back there as fast as we can. Flashlight, darling, to make a good a target. Yes, if Kurt's as mad as he appears to be, he'd probably shoot first and his questions later. Easy now, darling. Come on. Over there. Good Lord. It's Kurt in there. Lyra! 
I'm coming, Lyra. Try to hold on. Lyra! It's all right, Lyra. I've got you. Oh, come on. He had a gun. He was going to kill me. I grabbed his arm and I... Lyra? Stay Better lie here for a moment. Never look at Kurt. Well? Uh, have to light a match. Marvel? He's dead, Marvel. Right. I suppose it's just as well. Yes, I think it is, Marvel. Look at this over here. Yes. A shallow grave. Good heavens, you mean he was going to kill her and bury her in there? No, Margot, I mean that Kurt Sander came out of this grave. Lyra shot to kill him. He's been dead for at least two days. Why on earth are we leaving the cave with Lear still in there with that body? No time to explain, Margot. I want you to get the house right away and be careful. Is that all? Yes. But Lamar... By the time you get there, Margot, the shadow will have trapped the real killer. Lamont, it's incredible. 
I can hardly believe that Lyra is a murderer. Well, apparently she's violently jealous, woman, Margot. Kurt arranged a rendezvous with her near the cave, asked her for a divorce. Told her he wanted to be free to marry her younger sister, Celeste. And she flew into a jealous rage, killed him, and left his body in the cave. Then her story of the drowning, her dream of death, all those weird happenings, even Anna's murder, were done to frighten people away from here so that no one would learn the truth. Yes. After she killed Anna, and after we started investigating, she became panicky. So she decided to dispose of Kurt's body. Exactly. In the dim light, we thought Kurt and Lyra were struggling together. When she heard me call to her, she fired a shot in a crazy last-ditch effort to make us think that Kurt had been alive up to that point. Was responsible for everything. Oh, how horrible. And stupid. Yes? Well, it's all over now, thank goodness. It's all over. Except that soon Lyra will be going to her death. This time, it won't be a dream. Copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Stay tuned for The Aldrich Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldrich Family. And now the Jello family presents Henry Henry Aldrich. Come in, mother. Yes, it's the Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. And yes, it's the Jello family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca puddings. Yes, sirree. And now for the Aldridge family. When you take a typical American family, plus some friends and neighbors, and then add one teenage boy, you needn't bother to stir things up. The boy, if he's like Henry Aldrich, will somehow attend to that. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. The time is late afternoon. No, Homer, I think you don't have to. You do? I don't? Definitely not. Boy, Hen, I hope you're right. I've been saving for two months to get a new band for my wristwatch. And now if I had to... 
Suppose she expects me to. She couldn't. How do you know? I'll bet Agnes doesn't even know it's the anniversary of your first date with her. Do you really think so, Hen? Sure. Who remembers things like that? My father never does. I'm surprised you even thought of it. Boy, I'll never forget it. Well, okay, Homer. You have a special reason for remembering your anniversary, but Agnes doesn't, does she? Gee, maybe you're right, Hen. And boy, is that a load off my mind. Sure. Sure. Now I can concentrate on my wristwatch. Sure. Do you think I ought to get a brown leather band, Hen, or a black one? Oh, I heard voices in here. Hi, Mother. Hi, Mrs. Aldrich. Hello, boys, and congratulations, Homer. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. What for? Isn't Saturday an anniversary of some kind? Oh. Your very first date with Agnes, isn't it? Hen. Gee whiz, Mother, how did you know? I was out shopping this morning, and I ran into Agnes. Oh. So my heartiest congratulations to the both of you, Homer, and many happy returns. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. (laughs) Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, boys. If you want some fruit, it's in the icebox. Who could eat fruit now? See, Henry? So what? So my mother knows. What does that prove? It proves Agnes knows. All right, supposing Agnes does know. What does that prove? It proves there goes my watch band. Not necessarily. Alice, do you know where... Hello, boys. Hi, Father. Hi, Father. I mean, Mr. Aldrich. Oh, by the way, Homer, I ran into a friend of yours down at the Emporium today. You did, Mr. Aldrich? Whom? Agnes. Oh. May I ask in what department... I believe it was in Ladies Unmentionables. <laughs> Is your mother in the kitchen, Henry? I think so, Father. See you later, boys. Well, that does it. Homer, why do you keep jumping at conclusions? I'm not jumping at them, Hen. They're jumping at me. I still don't see it. Then what was Agnes doing in Ladies Unmentionables? I don't know. Maybe she was just looking around. Sure, and I know why. Why? To see what she could exchange what I'm going to give her for. Hello? Yeah, he is, Agnes. Agnes? Oh. Let me talk to him. Okay. Here, Homer. Hello, Agnes. Hello, Homer, honey. Oh, boy. Agnes, is there any special reason you asked me to come over to your house? No, Homer. I was just lonely. Oh, Isn't it wonderful, Homer? Another wonderful, thrilling year. Sure. And, Homer, I just want you to know that I don't expect a thing as an anniversary present. You don't? Of course not. I have you. What more could I ask for? Nothing, Agnes. Another year, and we're still together. That's all any girl needs to make her happy, her man. Sure. Don't you think a brown band would go better with my wristwatch than a black? And anyway, I don't think it's fair for a girl to expect a boy to spend all his money on her. Sure. That's what I like about you, Agnes. You're so fair. Sure. Four or five dollars ought to be plenty. Oh. Homer. What? Give me a hint. I can't. Why? Because. Because why? Just because. Homer Brown, haven't you decided yet what you're going to get me? Well, sort of. Sort of? What does that mean? Henry's supposed to be thinking of something. Oh. Homer? What? Get Henry on the phone and find out what you're going to give me. But Agnes... Here, start talking. Yes, ma'am. Hello, operator. Give me Elm 431. Now, remember, Homer, I don't want you to spend a cent over four or five dollars. Yes, Agnes. Unless you promise you'll get me something cheaper for my birthday. Oh. Hello, Hen. This is Homer. Did you think of anything yet? 
Uh-huh. What? But him. We are in open. Uh-huh. I suppose so, him. Yeah. By him. Well, we... Oh, we want it to be a surprise, Agnes. A surprise? Homer, that's wonderful. I just love surprises. What is it? You'll see. Is it something I can wear? Maybe. I'll bet it's something I can eat. Is it, Homer? Maybe. No, it's something I can wear. I'm sure of it. Is it? Maybe. Homer, give me your hint. I can't. Why? Henry said you'd try to force it out of me so he wouldn't even tell me. think of something that would still leave Homer enough for the watch band. I tried to, Mother, but a watch band would only leave Agnes 45 cents. You can't get much for that. No, I imagine not. Besides, I think the dozen roses will be very appropriate. Poor Homer. Yeah, he sure wanted that watch band. <laughs> well, maybe this will teach him to change girls at least once a year. Boy, if I only had a little more money, I'd buy him that watch band myself. I'll tell you what I'll do, Henry. Since it's Homer's anniversary... I'll match whatever you put up. How much do you have in your dime bag? A dime. <laughs> well, that gives us 20 cents. I'll match what both of you put up. There, 40 cents. How much more do we need? About 60. 60, eh? The milk bottles. Henry, there are five empty ones on the back porch. That's another quarter, only 35 cents more. Maybe if we looked under the sofa pillow. Sure. Henry, my pillow. A dime. I found a dime. Look in the corner there, Henry. There's something shiny. Another dime. Father, did you lose a suspender button? There's a nickel, Henry, and two pennies. Here's another nickel. That's ten, seventeen, twenty-two. Thirteen cents short. Wait, I know why. What? I'll only buy Agnes eleven roses. Fine, we've made it. I'll go right down to the jewelers now and get Homer his watch band. Good. You think I ought to have something engraved on it? Something like success? Henry, this is the anniversary of Homer's winning Agnes, not the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> supposed to be surprised, not me. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Homer. You come on over. I want to see your face when I tell you. Oh, 
to you, Henry, right now. What's the matter? What's the matter? You have the nerve to ask me that? What happened? What happened? What happened? Homer, we'll never get anywhere if you just keep repeating what I say. What you say? Do you deny you were down at the jewelers this afternoon? Huh? Well, don't. Kathleen saw you. Oh, is that all? Uh-huh. So you admit it. You've ruined me, Henry. I have. How? Did you ever buy a ring for Kathleen on your anniversary? All right. Homer, don't be silly. Then why did you buy one for me for Agnes on our anniversary? A ring? I bought a ring. Kathleen saw you. Kathleen saw me buy a ring? Well, not exactly buy it, but she saw you looking at them. Rings? I didn't buy... Oh, sure. I remember now. Uh-huh. Sure, while I was waiting my turn, I just looked around. Maybe I did glance at some rings. Glance? Then you didn't buy... But Kathleen told Agnes she saw... See, Homer, you got all excited over nothing. No, I didn't, Hen. But, Homer, I didn't buy a ring. Yes, but Agnes thinks she... I... Henry. Yeah? I'm engaged. Agnes, how did Homer ask you? Well, he didn't exactly ask me, Kathleen. Yes, but how did you know? Well, I figured Henry wouldn't be buying a ring unless Homer had said something to him about wanting to be engaged, see? Yes. So I sort of helped him along. Men are always a little afraid to say the actual word. But what did he say then? Nothing. But I could tell from the look on his face that that's what was on his mind. But how did you know? Well, he didn't object when I suggested it, did he? No. So there you are. My goodness. You think I ought to send Henry a thank you card? I don't know. (laughs) What does being engaged feel like? Oh, sort of relaxing. Relaxing? Uh Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to worry about are you going to have a date Saturday night and things like that. All of a sudden, all your problems are ended because you've got your man to lean on. Oh, it sounds just wonderful. It is, Kathleen. It's wonderful. Just wonderful. It's terrible, Henry. Just terrible. Why not look at it this way, Homer? Engagements have their advantages, too. Yeah, name one. Well, they... Well, you... There must be some advantages. <laughs> Otherwise, why would so many people do it? Name one. Just one. Well, for instance, when you're engaged, you don't have to spend so much money on the girl. Oh, yeah? What about the engagement ring? That alone will keep me broke for the next two years. <laughs> sure, Homer, but... The funny part is, I never even thought of Agnes as something you'd get engaged to. <laughs> and what am I going to do? You can always leave town. Sure, sure, that's what I'll do. Leave town right now. Right now? Where will you go? I don't know. What's the difference? So long, Henry. Homer. Don't try to stop me. It's the only way. Homer, please. Tell my folks I said you could have my new bike. All you have to do is tighten my new bike. They hardly even rode it. Homer, if I didn't want to be engaged to a girl that badly, I'd just call her up and tell her so. Sure. Why didn't I think of that? I'll tell her straight out. Operator, give me Elm 891, please. Oh, oh. What should I say to her, Hen? Just say, uh, look, Agnes, there's nothing personal in this, but I think we're both too young to know our own minds. Sure, that's good. And furthermore, Agnes, the whole thing... Hen. Just be firm, Homer. I will, Hen. Hello? Agnes, this is Homer. Agnes, I... What? 
Oh. Miss Lawson? Oh. Madam? Agnes, I don't know what you mean. Agnes Henry's here. But Agnes... What's the matter? She thinks I ought to call her dear. Oh. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Uh-huh, dear. Yes, dear. Homer? Yes, dear. I mean... Henry. Why didn't you tell her? Because she... She... Henry. Why? What's a fella supposed to get his fiancée for her shower? What? A shower. Agnes said Kathleen insisted on giving her one. Gee, I don't know, Homer. I, I think you're supposed to give her tablecloths and old pillowcases and things like that. Yeah, I suppose so. Homer, why didn't you tell her about being too young to know your own mind? Well, she sounded so positive about the whole thing. Boy, I got the feeling maybe it was illegal or something to call it off. Gee whiz, maybe it is. You know what, Homer? Maybe you just ought to stick it out. Forever, if necessary. She's bound to get tired of you sooner or later. Isn't an engagement sort of like a contract? I guess so. What can they do to you if you don't go through with your end of it? I don't know. Did you write her any letters she could use against you? Letters? I don't think... Oh, boy. You mean you did? No, she did. Oh. Right after the first time she kissed me. It was sort of a thank you letter. (laughs) Well, you better get home and burn it. I did, as soon as I got it. But what if she kept a carbon copy? Oh, boy. I mean, I don't think my father's going to let... My father? Boy, wait till he finds out. Henry, why did you have to glance at rings in the first place? I didn't know Kathleen was going to be snooping around. Kathleen, that's the trouble with girls. They talk too much. Next thing you know, it'll be all over school. Henry. Why? Mr. Bradley will throw me out of school. See, I told you there were advantages to being engaged. Red letters stand for the Jello family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jello family. That's Jello, yum yum yum. Jello puddings, yum yum yum. Jello tap, Bioka puddings, yes, sorry. And tonight, the Jello family of yum yum desserts wants to give a special salute to National Restaurant Week, May second to May eighth. You know, our neighborhood restaurants are an American institution. Famous all over the world for their traditionally high standards of fine food, fine services, fine, friendly atmosphere. So take the family often to your favorite restaurant. It means a treat for everybody. And another treat you can be sure of finding at any good restaurant is America's favorite gelatin dessert. Yes, Jell-O. Jell-O in those six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. So next time you're at your favorite restaurant, have your favorite treat for dessert. Ask for Jell-O. J-E-L-L-O. And now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry's visit to a jewelry store has been misinterpreted by both Homer and Agnes. She thinks she's getting, and he thinks he's giving her an engagement ring. The scene opens in the Aldridge living room. It is the next day. Uh, Alice. What is it, dear? <laughs> Listen to this letter that came in the mail today. Dear Mr. Ulrich, I am a young high school student who suddenly finds himself engaged to another young high school student, female, of course. My goodness. As a lawyer, I would appreciate your advice on whether I can escape. Escape? Yeah, but that's crossed out and changed to whether I can disentangle myself and if so, how. 
And who's it from? Yours truly, Desperate. Oh. Well, what about the handwriting? It's printed. Then there's a P.S. Kindly attach your answer to the lowest branch of the big maple tree in the empty lot on Olive and Fifth Street. <laughs> then there's a P.P.S. Kindly enclose a bill for your fee. Well, who do you uh, think? Just a minute, Alice. There is also a P.P.P.S. <laughs> when naming fee, kindly bear in mind that the writer is a poor, underline, young high school student. Alice, you don't suppose... Uh, I've been giving it a lot of thought, Agnes, dear. So have I, dear. You have, dear? Yes, dear. Well, what do you think, dear? I agree with you completely, dear. You do, dear? Of course, dear. Sure. Everybody agrees that long engagements aren't good. That's absolutely true, dear. They're terrible. And so I think we ought to reconsider the whole thing. Don't you, dear? Well, did you tell her? Yes, Henry. What did she say? She agreed with me. She didn't think long engagements were good either. No kidding. See, Homer, I told you talking to her person to person would get your results. I certainly did. Henry, are you busy June 1st? No, why? I thought you might like to be my best man. An anonymous letter, Will? Yeah. Oh, Homer, stop staring into your soup and stop, start eating it. Yeah, that's what Sam told me, Elizabeth. Imagine a high school kid doing a thing like that. And Sam didn't know who it was. Oh, Homer, stop that. All he said was the note was signed desperate. A high school boy. You know, Will, if it didn't sound too ridiculous even for him, I'd guess it was Sam's own son, Henry. Oh, Homer, stop fishing around in your soup with your fingers. Take another spoon. Well, whoever he is, he's an idiot. What about his parents? They're idiots, too. <laughs> Do you suppose he's figuring on moving her in with his folks? What else can he do? You know what I'd do if I were that kid's father? I'd take him and his idiot bride and ship them right over to her idiot parent's house. Homer, if you're having that much trouble holding onto your spoon, tie it to your wrist or something. Here's another spoon, dear. Fish out the other two. It'll serve him right to have to live with the girl's parents. Let him use their pots and pans and utilities. Let him eat their food. Oh, boy. Homer. Homer, come back here and clean up this mess. Homer! I wonder what's got into that boy. Pots and pans, Henry. Utilities. Take it easy. I'm too young, Hen. I'm just a kid. Homer, you're you're getting hysterical again. Take another drink of water. Thanks. Henry, what am I going to do? I don't want to live with the Lawsons. Easy, Homer. Easy, boy. There was a letter from my father on the tree today. There was? What did he say? He said if Desperate wanted advice to drop in in person. We can't do that, Henry. Then he'd know. Look, I've got it all figured out. We can tell him we're friends of Desperate, and he asked us to represent him. Sure, sure. That's what we can do. Come on, Henry. Hello, Father. Hello, boy. Hi, Mr. Aldrich. Father, do you recall a communication you had from a party who prefers to remain nameless? Oh, yes. Desperate, wasn't it? That's right, Mr. Aldrich. Well, he's sort of asked us to represent him. Oh? Sort of the party of the third party, you might say. I see. You mean you have his power of attorney? Well, no, Father. We, 
Well, he, he didn't know it was necessary. Mr. Aldrich, couldn't we discuss it purely hypotheoretically? <laughs> Why, yes, I suppose so. Uh, now, what exactly is Desperate's problem? Well, he sort of found himself engaged. Against his will, Mr. Aldrich, against his will. I see. So what can he do to get disentangled? Before he gets all mixed up with pots and pans and utilities. <laughs> I see. Mm, now, let's see. This same point came up in the case of Schneiderkoff versus Schneiderkoff. Who won, Father? Schneiderkoff. <laughs> oh, is that good or bad for the third party? Uh, well, in a divided opinion, the Supreme Court decided that in the event of a reversal of sentiment on the part of one of the contractees to an engagement, the dissenting party was obligated to so inform the said partner to said contract. Really, Father? <laughs> the exact wording of the decision. It's very interesting, Mr. Aldrich. Did he get any time off for good behavior? I'm afraid you don't understand, Homer. He was no longer engaged. What? But how did he get out of it? He called the girl and told her it was off. That's all? That's all. And Agnes couldn't do anything to him? Not a thing. Boy, thank you, Mr. Aldrich. Thank you. Homer, stop kissing my hand. You should have been here, Alice. It was a riot. I can imagine. What did Homer say after you? Well, in the first place, he looked 30 years younger. <laughs> then he and Henry began to discuss how to break it to Agnes. It seems Homer didn't relish the idea of breaking it to her face to face. So we thought Henry should do it. Inasmuch as Henry was responsible for his predicament, having been seen in the fatal jewelry store at the fatal time. Poor Henry. Oh, he's not doing it. Henry was as reluctant to face Agnes as Homer was. Then how? It was finally decided that Henry would break the news to Kathleen. Who, in turn, would break it to Agnes? My goodness. When is all this going to happen? Well, Henry left for Kathleen's about an hour ago. Homer kept saying, hurry, Henry, before my father finds out. Hurry, Henry, my father will kill me. Oh, is that you, Henry? Yes, Mother. Yeah, did you see Kathleen? Sure, I just came from there. Well, how did everything go? Well, I said, Kathleen, I said, don't you think Homer and Agnes are a little too young to be engaged? After all, I said... She may find someone she likes more than Homer. That's not bad. What did she say to that? Well, she said, what if she doesn't? My goodness. And then I said, still, Kathleen, a, a young girl can have much more fun going out with lots of boys. Then what happened? Well, then we talked a little more about boys and girls and the advantages and disadvantages of being engaged and things like that, see? I see. And how did it come out? I think I'm a little bit engaged myself. <laughs> what? And I've got a business proposition for you if you're still engaged. Who said I was, Willie? Who said I was? Gee, is it a secret? Okay, I won't say a word. Now listen, Willie. Not a word. Only if you're going to wear striped pants and a top hat at your wedding, I can rent you my father's at a discount. Well, that should be a sight to see. But for a mighty pretty sight any day in the week, it's, yes, you guessed it, Jell-O. Gay, shimmering Jell-O in those six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. For a special treat tomorrow, try raspberry ginger dessert, made with rich red raspberry jello. Just dissolve a package of raspberry jello in one cup of hot water, then add a cup of ginger ale. Turn into individual molds and chill until firm. It's swell. Tempting fruit like raspberry jello with tangy ginger ale. All six delicious jello flavors are rich with locked in goodness. Flavors sealed right in so it can't get out. 
till your first delectable spoonful. And that's why Jell-O is America's favorite gelatin dessert. And now here's Mrs. Norman Vincent Peale, wife of the renowned minister, with some important news. Good evening, Henry Aldrich, or I should say Ezra Stone. I'm happy to be here tonight in behalf of National Family Week to present to the Aldrich family our annual radio citation for high quality in content and excellence of production. This is the third consecutive year that the Aldrich family has won this award, and you are all to be congratulated. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Peel. Thank you very much for this very high honor and for your kind appearance here tonight. Family starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer is written by Frank Tarloff with music by Jack Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. And this is Dan Seymour in New York saying, The Aldrich Family is brought to you by the Jell-O Family. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Our Miss Brooks, followed by Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.